Hello and welcome to WMQ&A. I'm Dan Grote and welcome to our Philly special. Go first! Go first! Back in April, Matt and I attended Fan Expo Philadelphia and did some interviews on the show floor. And since we took Memorial Day off from recording, you're finally hearing them now. So in this episode, you will hear mini conversations with Danny Schlitz, who drew a book called William Shakespeare's Avengers. Isaac Goodhart, who's drawn several of the DC Young Reader graphic novels and has one coming out in the fall starring John Constantine. Yes, folks, that's Tyne. Uh, we got Ryan Parrott talking about all things Power Rangers and Rogue Son. And we wrap it up with writer Philip Kennedy Johnson talking Superman and Alien. Please enjoy and go birds. Go birds! Right, we are on the floor with uh, Danny Schlitz. He is the illustrator of William Shakespeare's Avengers, the complete works. Uh, Danny, how's your con going? It's it's Sunday, so we're on the cool down now. Yeah, yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Yesterday was a little bonkers, uh, but it was good bonkers. Um, and this is my second real, I should say, real con ever. Um, I'm from Seattle area, and my first con was couple months ago at Emerald City uh-huh, yep. and it was fantastic had such a good time but it was four days long first two days wow like just sitting a little bored but the next two days Saturday and Sunday were fantastic had a lot of fun so this con has been the only one I can compare it to and it's been good so I'm very happy okay <laughs> that's good to know glad it was worth the uh, worth the travel out here along to the East Coast it's excellent we love it <laughs> So, uh, what are what are some of the first comics that you remember reading? First comics, um, definitely uh, New Mutants, um, especially with uh, Art Adams. That stuff blew my mind. Oh, I should say also, um, my uh, oh my gosh, the the other the other <laughs> Bill Sinkevich. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, my brain's not working. It is Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. Oh. You had a long three days. Yes. <laughs> but those definitely formed my early love of comics. And and yes, I would get them at a little the little Jasper store down the road, get little gas station when you just get them off off the rack. It was fantastic. Oh, those were the days. Those days. <laughs> The magic of the spinner rack that yelled at you, hey, yes. comics. <laughs> you can't read those here. <laughs> All right. So uh, you do a lot of movie posters. Yes. As I can see from behind you. Tell us, uh, uh, tell us comics nerds about the dirty underground world of movie posters. Oh, oh, goodness. <laughs> yes, movie posters, a.k.a. Uh, key art. Um, here's the thing, right, is with a lot of key art, uh, it, from stuff that I've done for either Netflix or other um, studios is uh, <laughs> you create a lot of work, you do it quick, usually over a weekend. You gotta just get it done quick and you hope, hope they like it. Um, a lot of artists that I know create a lot of art and then every once in a while something actually gets picked and ends up being, you know, getting on an actual poster and seen somewhere. Um, so yeah, so a couple of things I'll just quick that I've worked on that yeah. were definitely exciting, but also kind of uh, was uh, uh, I worked with a fantastic agency, Rhubarb Agency uh, in, in LA, uh, and we worked on um, uh, Narcos uh, season two, and I was very lucky to get my design down to the last two designs, and they had a lot of incredible stuff, and I made it to the last two, but missed out. 
but still, it was a great experience, but still, it is a little hard to make a lot of art, and you never know if it's gonna actually make it. <laughs> so, you, you, we're, you're here with William Shakespeare's Avengers The Complete Works. Are you a Shakespeare person, or was this just a project that came your way? Oh, okay, okay, good, yes. I mean, <laughs> I think I wasn't quite a Shakespeare person before, um, but it came my way, and it was definitely the 13-year-old boy in me was very excited and jumping up and down. Um, and really, once I started working on it, I was like, okay, I, I need to try to get a little more into Shakespeare <laughs> for questions like these. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the closest I've gotten recently was <laughs> watching the Coen Brothers uh, Macbeth. That was probably, yeah. I need to see. It came fantastic. out right around Christmas, but I was like, ooh, there's a pandemic surge, and I don't feel like going to the movie theaters right now. Yeah. And it's out there streaming, because I, I am a Shakespeare person, as Everyone who Excellent. listens to this has heard me talk about many times. Uh, how did you get involved in this project? Yeah, really, um, it was, honestly, it was just an email uh, that I received from Quirk Books, who is a, a local Philly um, publisher. Yep. And my friend um, John Morris had done some work for them on another series of books called The League of... Uh, not, I, an, an extraordinary or something. Regrettable superheroes. Regrettable superheroes. You remember? Yes. I, oh, I've got those. <laughs> yes. So my buddy John lives up in uh, the Seattle area. We used to work together. So that's how I first heard of Quirk. And the Star Wars uh, books, too. The, the, the Shakespeare Star Wars. Same author, um, Ian Dosher. Uh, and so that's how I kind of first heard about it. So when I got the, um, the email, I was definitely a little surreal but it was very exciting to 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 have that connection so uh, you know you've got all the the prints behind you including one for the batman uh you know what is what's selling for you this weekend oh um yeah it's interesting uh usually iron giant my iron giant sells really well it's always my number one but honestly uh what has been um I think my Balrog and, uh, and Gandalf has sold really well. Um, the books have been selling great. Um, what else? Uh, Miles Morales. Uh, but yeah, I was. Uh, I get a lot of nice comments about Iron Giant, but in Seattle that sells like hotcakes. Around here, uh, not not as much. But it's it's interesting. So I'm hoping I have a little something for everybody. <laughs> That's interesting. Iron Giant, star of Ready Player One and Space Jam The New Legacy. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Rights and things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a metaverse, man. I don't know if you knew that. Oh. Yeah, I guess we do. So uh, what's the rest of your con season looking like? Do you have other ones lined up? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, really... This is my second. I mean, I'll do Seattle again um, and Portland, uh, Rose City, because those are nice and close to me. Mm -hmm. Everything on the West Coast is a little more separated, uh, further apart uh, commitment. But the nice thing is I can drive, so I can carry more stuff. Uh, uh, but I will, I, I'm really hoping and planning to go to New York Comic Con, because I hear that is just the con to beat all cons. It's pretty big. It's, yeah. Did Quirk, do you line up Philly through Quirk or 
um, you know, I um, I didn't, but they were really awesome because I, I I thought, yeah, I have books at home, but I didn't want to ship them out here, and then it just, and so I asked them, can they order for me? So they ordered for Penguin, um, and then I was able to, to pick them up at Quirk, and it was really nice. There was uh, one lady there, I think everyone else was working from home, but she, sure. she stayed in and, and got them to me, uh, but I don't really have lined up with them before but I did get to meet the author through them in uh, in Seattle so that they kind of helped me uh, connect with him that way which was of course long after the book was done <laughs> <laughs> so cool to, cool to meet the guy <laughs> yes so uh, what's your what what do you got going on after this Just go home and sleep uh, oh. take a day to decompress or yeah I, I'm taking the day off tomorrow I'm staying here in Philly for one more day Take it a little easy, catch the plane late tomorrow night, um, and then I'll probably be just right back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> Anything you can speak about or just keep plugging along at Key Art? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I've got some fun stuff coming up. I just I just started getting some projects through um, uh, collections with a Z uh, for some um, some concerts, uh, one for Motley Crue that's coming up soon, Ooh. and another one, um, well, I probably shouldn't talk about these actually. <laughs> Let me stop right there. <laughs> I'm just excited to share those things, but it's like, mm, what's this coming out? <laughs> so we are well familiar with the art of the NDA. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there are some... some uh, uh, alternative movie posters coming up soon uh, uh, through Hero Complex Gallery. They have been fantastic. I'm doing a lot of stuff for them. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some other galleries that we're talking to and working on some ideas. Um, there's always something in the works. Yeah. <laughs> well, Danny, thank you for uh, taking a few minutes to chat with us. Hope you have a good rest of the show. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Go first! Okay, we are on the con floor with uh, artist Isaac Goodhart. Uh, Isaac, how's your con going? It's the last day. How have things been? Con, con's going great. Philadelphia is an awesome city. We've been having a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, where are you from originally? I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Jersey, and uh, living in Bergen County, New Jersey right now. Oh, okay. You're a North Jersey guy. Yeah. Okay. We're uh, Union County. Okay, right on. Very cool. Yeah. yeah we're neighbors. <laughs> right on. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, you've got a... Uh, John Constantine uh, OGN coming out later Ooh, this year. Constantine. Someone knows pronunciation. Siceburger made us. <laughs> yeah, did he, does he correct people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not so much when he's like, you know, he, he came in with you a while and more. I'm like, okay, well, after you <laughs> No, it's in the books. Like, there's a there's an issue from the 80s where Con Constantine himself is correcting someone's pronunciation, which has got to be a dig at people pronouncing pronouncing it Constantine for so many years, but yeah. No, and that's exactly, and we were just talking to, to Spurrier, and it was just, casually comes up a conversation, I said, well, you know what, the, the British writer is referencing Alan Moore knows, knows better than me. Yeah, no, I pronounce it Constantine, and I pronounce it Satana, so you can send Cy Spurrier over to me to yell at me, I ain't scared, that's right, we're starting beef with Cy Spurrier on this podcast, right now. Alright, listen. I, I, I saw your, your your weekend gym picks with Stephanie Phillips and Philip Kennedy Johnson. So <laughs> yeah, right. We all know what we're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got backup. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you're working on that with with Cami Garcia. Uh, it's 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 a uh, sexy teen version of, of John and an American punk band. 
uh, how fun was that to draw? It was great. It was way out of my wheelhouse. Um, you know, when I first found out about punk music or that we're going to be doing the punk era of John Constantine's uh, uh, life, um, I grew up in the 90s, so punk to me was like Avril Lavigne and Good Charlotte and Sum 41. Uh -huh. I didn't really know much. I knew vaguely, but I didn't really know enough about the punk scene of the late 70s and 80s. So I did a lot of research. I learned a lot about Todd Phillips, who did the Joker movie, has a great documentary about the darker corners of the punk scene. Bomb City was great, uh, Green Room. So I learned a lot about the dangerous, scary, um, um, aspects of this of this genre. So we try to put all that into this to make it as authentic as we could. You know, obviously Sex Pistols, obviously Dead Kennedys, mm -hmm. but um, there's a lot of scary stuff in the punk world. Um, you just have to do some digging. So, um, Decline of Western Civilization. So, all of that stuff made it into the book and researching it and trying to make it look as authentic and dirty and scary as possible was a lot of fun. Right on. And uh, how much of it also was like kind of studying the fashions at the time to get get those looks down? Yeah, I mean, everything that I mentioned to you, I was watching that. I draw digitally, so I've got in the bottom left corner of my screen, while I'm drawn in the main screen, I've got these documentaries, the anything about CBGB streaming. Oh, nice. And so I'm drawing, but I'm also at the corner of my eye paying attention to all these documentaries and movies. So like I, I mentioned, Bomb City was fantastic. Uh, for reference, so I'm taking screenshots of the documentaries of the movies while I'm drawing and sending it into a reference folder, and uh, I'm using as much of that as I can in our book. So, this is your third of the DC graphic novels for young adults. Victor and Nora, Catwoman Under the Moon, and now this. How did you get involved with that line? So, I got involved with the line when I started at. DC. So they flew me and a couple of others out. Uh, Phil Kennedy Johnson, Stephanie Phillips, we've mentioned them up top. They kind of got in the same way uh, where they had this writer's program and an artist program. Mm -hmm. So the writer's program was headed by Scott Snyder yep. and the idea was, alright, we're going to open applications. We're going to um, we're gonna collect 10 of our favorite writers, 10 of, uh, I don't want to say favorite, but maybe we should say people that we think are on the level. Uh, Andy Kubert and Klaus Janssen, the legends, they headed the art version of it, and they flew us all out, they put us up in a hotel, they walked us around the, the, uh, the offices in Burbank, and we, had, we would have uh, portfolio reviews with all the editorial staff, and we would have lessons with Klaus and Andy and Scott, and they would say, all right, here's where I think you would be a good fit. They would ask us what we were interested in at the time, because I grew up reading Runaways. I grew up great reading. I thought I was supposed to draw Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Do you remember that book? Yeah. I thought that was my way in. Okay. So I mentioned that to the editors at DC. Probably not the best thing to, add to mention. It's like, yeah, I only read Marvel Comics. But, um, <laughs> you know, I thought it would be a fit on Nightwing. I thought it would be a good fit on Teen Titans, something like that. And they said, this was 2018, so they said, hey, we're actually doing a young adult blitz right now. We think you might be a good fit for that. Looking at my portfolio, which was a lot of romance, a lot of pretty uh, looking people, young people, a lot of fat, uh, an emphasis on fashion. So it was a good fit. I loved working uh, with Lauren Miracle on Under the Moon and Victor and Nora. And now I'm working with Cammy, uh, with whom I became good friends during our first promotion cycle for Catwoman.
Nice, yeah. No, no, no. I uh, actually got to talk to Cami when we were in uh, Chicago at C2E2. Wonderful person. Yeah. So when you're working on these books that aren't quite within an established continuity, yeah. how much does looking at reference from the older books affect how you're going to work forward with these characters? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, I have worked a little bit in the main universe stuff. So I've done a couple of backups with Fabian Malente and Marguerite Bennett, um, Andrea Shea, we did a Mara and we did a Wonder Woman. Um, and it's very different. It's a lot more intimidating, as you might imagine, to work in the main universe. Uh, we're in our little pocket universes. I'm able to set the aesthetic, and of course, I'm the first artist to, to do this version of the character. So there's nobody to compare myself to. Obviously, I have my influences that I carry with me on every book. Sarah Kelly, Stuart Eminen, Adam Hughes, uh, Adrian Alfona. But, uh, but when I'm working on a Wonder Woman book, they're like, hey, do you want to do this riff on a George Perez era comic? I'm like, Jesus. I mean, I guess, and you're just drawing, <laughs> sweating. I think I'm like peeing my pants a little as I'm drawing, just so nervous, you know. But uh, um, when you're working on, when you're working on Victor and Nora, you're able to just be like, oh, I'm the first person to ever draw Nora like this. We've changed her ethnicity. She's able to like, uh, um, we're able to give her this whole new characterization because they haven't really delved into who is Nora Freeze. When we see her, she's mostly just like frozen in the refrigerator. No. Uh, in suspended animation. So we're able to say, no, 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 this is our take on this character. And she's essentially a new character, you know? Uh, so we're taking with us the lore, and of course we're like, I'm drawing the book, I'm really hoping that Paul Dini like, gives us the thumbs up. I would love it, but um, the truth is, um, we're just doing, we're just trusting ourselves. They hired us to be us, they hired us because they know what we're doing, what we're capable of, and uh, we have free reign. And um, what's sort of the, um, I guess, the lead lead time, process time on these? So, for example, the Constantine book's coming out this fall. Is that already done for you? Is that in the can, or are you still working on that? I actually just finished it the Monday before I came out to this show. No, that's why, that's why you're able to come out to play now. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I scheduled my con season to, be, to start up when I finished the book. So... I'm here, uh, and this is my first show of the year okay. because I knew I was going to finish Constantine the Monday before I came out. So, um, so that's the lead time. I mean, we're getting colors in now, um, and everything is looking amazing. It's being colored by Ruth Redman, with whom I collaborated on Eve of Extinction. Um, she's a big-time colorist on a lot of Marvel stuff, a lot of Deadpool and Star Wars stuff. So it's great to re-team with her. Um, and uh, but. You are going to be seeing a lot of panels with me and Cammy. You're you're going to about uh, six months out, and then three months in, we're going to like really ramp up the the advertising and marketing. So, um, New York Comic Con is the first show that we're going to do with uh, with Constantine. Is we we were talking all weekend about the plans that we have for that debut. Awesome. That 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 sounds great. It sounds good. Good. You have a full dance part uh, through the year. Then now. Uh, is there, is there a, a next project in line behind this? Yes. Whether you can talk about it or not. <laughs> yes. So the first 10-page prologue has already dropped. All you got to do to read it is uh, subscribe to the James Tynan, the fourth Substack newsletter. Oh, baby. And um, 
I'm working on a book that's being co-written by James Tynan and Tate Bromwell, the GLAD-nominated writer from yeah. Barbalian, the yeah. Black Hammer spinoff. So um, they're great. They're awesome. We're doing the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm the okay. artist on that. It's awesome. The elevator pitch, which I'll give to you right now, is yeah. what if the Universal Monsters were all young and when they got their powers, they, were they thought they were supposed to be the Justice League, but they're actually bad at being superheroes. <laughs> so that's what got me in. Uh, I loved it. Uh, James and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, Tate is a new friend, but we talk about Drag Race every day. <laughs> It's an awesome book, awesome experience. I love working with them, and that's the new thing. So um, that is, we have we have that planned out for years. So we're hoping it connects. We're hoping it resonates because we are loving this uh, this project. Right now. How does uh, or does working in that that Substack model change anything about you know your side of the process? It really doesn't. You know, working on a new project, you change things here and there. Uh, but but honestly, it's the same approach as working on Postal, which was my first project, working on any DC book. You know, you're just trying to do the best job that you can in, um, in service of the script and the story. The biggest difference on Christopher Chaos, for me, is that all the character designs, all the design work was already done when I stepped in. So everything has been designed already by the most amazing artist in the industry right now, Nick Robles. He's just coming on in hot from uh, an amazing uh, year at DC. So he's doing covers for us. He did all the character designs. It looks awesome. It looks amazing. So I, I am chasing Nick's aesthetic. I am trying to be as good as him. He's making me level up. He's making me uh, competitive. And uh, I'm just trying to do him proud. That, that is awesome. Now, you know, you're an artist. Cons are a perfect opportunity for you know commissions, move some prints. What is what's selling for you this weekend? Uh, Zatanna, uh, all my Zatanna prints, uh, and Victor and Nora. Those are the best sellers, and I think the reason why is because people can tell. I think crowds and comic book readers are intuitive. They know what you're proudest of. They know intuitively what you're most excited about. Just by the way you talk about it, just by the way you, you promote your stuff and, um, and try to sell it. So um, people know that Satan's my favorite character. People know that Victor Nora is the work that I'm most proud of as far as comic book stuff go. And uh, people want to be excited about what you're excited about. That's been my experience going to cons over all these years. That, that's awesome. Uh, is there a, uh, I see you're working on a lovely Jane Foster Thor commission right Good now. Is, is there a uh, favorite or most interesting, weirdest, you know, whatever superlative you want to append to it, uh, commission that you've done so far this weekend? Oh, hell yeah. The, the weirdest convention sketch, and I said yes to it, and then I never did it, and basically ghosted the guy. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes when you're starting out, you just you feel like you gotta say yes to everything. And I remember this one person asked me to draw him hitting him in the balls. Can I say balls yes. on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Go might want to cut this swearing out. Swearing is fine. Swearing <laughs> is fine. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, I said, yeah, I mean, I guess. And he showed me his whole collection of different cartoon characters hitting him in the balls. And then it became clear that that was how he got off. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, oh so so whenever I see like people talking about that on Twitter, and they're like, "Oh, my weirdest was Sonic with the shoes off and sticky." All right, 
this was the weirdest because it made me feel weird and I feel very weird remembering it. So, yeah, sorry about your sonic foot fetish thing. <laughs> At least they didn't ask you to draw yourself in it, you know? So, um, luckily I haven't seen them since. Uh, um, and no one has come close to that. Hopefully, hopefully that takes the cake for the rest of my career. Yeah, that's a good one. And, it, and, it, and it's weird that also I am familiar with people with sonic fetishes and that is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I hope you have a good rest of your yeah, show. Yeah, what a note to end on. Yeah, yeah no, I think it's like, <laughs> you know, leave them wanting more of whatever that was. But uh, yeah, we have a great uh, rest of your show, and uh, thanks for thanks for being here today. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks a lot. Go first! Go first! All right, so we are hanging out with Ryan Parrott. Uh, Ryan, so uh, you and your buddy Matt Groom are working toward another Power Rangers event at Boom. Charge to 100. Uh, where Boom is, is kind of borrowing Marvel's legacy numbering approach, counting down to uh, uh, Power Rangers 100 issues. Uh, what are some of the, what are the non-spoiler things that you get to say about the next few months as you count uh, up? Oh man, uh, I, I, you're the first people I've talked to about this, so I'm gonna fumble this really badly because I haven't actually, I don't have my pre-planned answer. Right on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do know that they'd always wanted to do this. That's why they kept the legacy numbers from the beginning. They were like, I mean, that was, I, mean, I don't think that was entirely the reason that I was doing two books a month, but it did speed things up a bit. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so we got to 100 a lot quicker than we normally would have. Uh, well, I'll say this. Um, I know it's going to be sort of a celebration of everything from issue zero all the way to now. Um, we're going to try and throw some, we're going to make some, some like deep cut references back to stuff that we did in the beginning, sort of bring it all back into one sort of story. I can't really say too much about the overall story. Um, or even who's writing 100 at this point. Uh, so, but I will say that, you know, everything that I've been doing, I've gone back to the beginning to try and find stuff for Power Rangers to sort of bring things back in to, uh, I, I, I think my goal for what I've been doing is, is to make, if there's anything that is like an open-ended story that is like, that people want to know more about, uh, specifically like the Omega Rangers, like there's stuff about the history about where they came from, how, what, where they started, how they are, what, what their, just their general perspective, and uh, I'm trying to fill that in a little bit as well. So I guess that's probably the best way I can answer it. Without, without, without Boom slamming the table down and, and you know, like John Cena style, yeah. A lawyer's parachutes in out of nowhere. Stop talking, Ryan. Yes. Uh, what is it about the franchise for you that, that's kept you on the book so long? You know, I feel like at this point, again, we're counting up to 100. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of fair to say, you know, like, you know, Larry, Larry Hama with G.I. Joe Comics, now you with Power Rangers. Oh, man, that's a comparison. I'll take that. Thank you. Um, I think one of the things that's so great about the Power Ranger comic books, and this has nothing to do with me in writing it, is, like, there's just so, like, the nice thing about the show being built the way that it was is there's so many areas that it never got into. It would touch at them and sort of move along. So as, as frustrating as that might have been for a fan watching it at the time, what's great for people to come into write it is, like, oh, I can take that. Like, the Altarians, for instance. That was just a name that was thrown out. We never really see anything about it. We know the planet's sort of sitting there, but we don't know what their philosophies are like or all that stuff. So I had an opportunity for like 25 issues to just dig into who they were. And I think there's a lot of those areas in the in the lore that because you're you're writing for like a slightly older demographic that you can just keep expanding out. So you never feel like you're running out of stories to tell in that world. Also, 
now that you have all the seasons, you can start bringing characters in from those seasons and add it again and start to make the worlds start to connect and tie together. And I think that's what's really cool. Like, this is sort of off topic, but like, I remember when I was a little kid, I remember seeing the G.I. Joe movie, and it's Sergeant Slaughter's Marauders. Yes. And there was the one guy who was the ex-Viper. That's the one who like leads them into the the the, the whatever the, the, the Cobra Command. I, yeah, I was always like, there was an ex Viper who's on the GI Joes now, and then they never talked about it again. And I was like, that's so cool. And so there's like lots of that little stuff in Power Rangers that I, as a fan, like always remembered and wanted to do. So like, I think that's why we've been able to get to 100. And she's gonna fill in this question for me. <laughs> but I feel like that that's the thing. There's just there's a lot of pockets in that in this world that allows for. Expanding, which is really great. Awesome. So, you know, that isn't your only iron in the fire, though. You're also writing Rogue Son, which is your, your sort of legacy hero story contribution to uh, the uh, quote unquote Massiverse over at Image. Uh, you're two issues in, you know, as far as what's been released. How do you feel like things are going with that uh, you know, corner of your work? Um, it's nice to be able to finally talk about it when you work on something for like a year and then like you're just sitting there and like you try to figure it out. Uh, so that's nice. It's nice to actually have the thing out in the world. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's getting there. We're figuring it out. The, the nice thing, you know, when you do Power Rangers, like the structure and the and the and the, the formula is already sort of like laid into the concept. So whenever you do your own book, you're trying to figure out that new formula. You're trying to figure out, okay, what tempo do I need to move at? How much world building do I need to get to? Finding find that balance of like ex exposition and character and action. And, and then also I think whatever you're doing in your own book, you know, you have to find something unique and interesting to do. Like, I, I don't know if this has been released yet, but I'll say it anyways. Like, issue seven is going to be a choose your own adventure. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so like, I was it. always, I was always a big fan of that stuff as a kid. So I was like, let's, what's, because I can, like, that's the fun. It's like I can do that. I couldn't do that in other books. So I was like, let's try something new, and it, and it fit into where the character was in the moment. So that's, that's the fun part about it. It's like that combination of like finding out how to sort of build your own world, and then find things that hopefully bring new, new writers in. So I feel like it's going well. Uh, I've had a lot of people come up and and been really excited about what we're doing. Um, it's really fun to have. I've, I've been texting Kyle all day today about what we're doing in the future. So it's like, it's nice to have my friends be the people that I get to work with because it's like, that's not the way it works. I am friends with everybody at Hot Boom and all that stuff, but like, it's different when I'm working with somebody that I've been friends with for 15 years. So that's fun. Roots and made his first appearance in the supermassive one shot, which was a crossover with. Matt Rome's uh, Inferno Girl Red and Kyle Higgins' Radiant Black. How did that crossover come? Did you guys decide, let's just do this one book together? It, it was a long conversation. It was, it's at one point, Rogue Sun was going to come out before it, and then we were going to turn it. There was like, one way we're going to do the Marvel way, which we're going to build up all our books and then have them coalesce, right? And then at some point, just because of like, whenever you're launching any new book, there's a lot of decisions that are being made, a lot of stuff, and ultimately, the schedule just didn't allow for Rogue Sun to come out first. But ultimately, what was really fun was, I, I was like, okay, so I actually was like, not going to. I was like, maybe maybe I shouldn't be in Supermassive. Maybe it should just be its own thing. And then at some point, someone was like, well, wait a minute. With the way that, spoiler, with the way that Rogue Sun opens, what if we did Marcus as that character? And the minute that happened, this was early on, the minute that happened, I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what we have to do. Now we can actually use this event as a, as a way to introduce a character that you only briefly see in the thing. And so that was really exciting. So it's, it's there was always a plan to do it that way. It was just finding the right spots for all the characters to be in because it's complicated with the Kickstarter and Kyle's book being out Twitter issues and mine not even coming out yet. But ultimately I felt we we thought, wow, if we can find a way to 
fight, like create a one, because I think one thing we miss a lot is like, and as someone who writes Power Rangers where people come up to me every day and go, where do I start reading this book because it's 18 different ways in? We were like, you know, let's just write Supermassive as a way for everybody to come in as sort of like a pilot for any character you'll learn. If, you, if you've been reading all of Radiant Black, it's, it's additive. If you've never heard of Rogue Son, this is the way to introduce who that character is, and then hopefully that will, they'll follow it that way. And in Vertical Red, if you have read, if you know about that already, you can do it. So it was like an opportunity to try and create a spot for everybody to come in that was really simple and, and accessible because that is so hard in comics today. So that was that was the idea. Right on. Now, what is collectively what sort of the methods of the madness when it comes to plotting out these stories? You know, are you and, and Kyle and Matt and, and Cherish Chen who's writing Radiant Red? You know, are you all acting as a brain trust or are you all doing your own thing until it's time for something like a supermassive or whatever the next sort of you know connective point is? Yeah, with supermassive it was it was very much a let's all sit down. We got on a Zoom call, did like three or four of those, two or three hours a day kind of thing. Just sort of like and literally for the first two or three meetings it was just like. We, didn't, we didn't really talk about plot, we just talked yeah, about what we like the comics. We were like, you know, it would be, I love this, and I love that, wasn't that a cool thing? And then slowly over time, it just like, you, you found the story. You're like, oh, you know, we've all kind of kept talking about this one thing. So it was just a conversation, and then ultimately, we all went, okay, we, it, was, it was funny, it was like three, day, three meetings of nothing, and then everything popped together in one meeting. We're like, okay, that's the bad guy, that's the introduction, all the way through. Um, and now since then, it, we just all read it. Everybody reads each other's stuff. Um, Kyle lives literally like six blocks from my house. So like, I'll just text him and be like, hey, can we help me on that? And we talk about that. Michael, one thing that's really helpful is Michael Siegel's our editor. Um, he's one of the Ranger Danger podcast. And he's just taking on more of a creative role. He is sort of at the center of all of it. So he's actually really great at saying like, hey, I read this book, you should take a look at that. And Ryan, have you done this? And just keeping us all abreast of what's going on. Um, so it's a little bit more, I think because it's small and we all know each other and we're all friends, it's easy to sort of just keep reading and getting connected with each other. So. Right on. Now, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, Image, Image is giving you guys a real push. Uh, you know, uh, there was a Radiant Black story in the Image 30 that just came out. Yeah. Uh, they've referred in, in sort of marketing materials to what y'all are doing as the Image Superhero Universe. Given that term, when do you reckon you'll get to fight Spawn? <laughs> Um, so we're calling it the Massiverse, yeah. just because I feel like that keeps people from feeling uh, like we're like we're, we're taking over or any of that stuff. Because we're not we're not doing that. Trust me. I, I've read Spawns at 300. I got a long way to go. I'm at I'm at two. Uh, so we'll get more uh, in 20 years. Uh, but um, I look I. I love the like I'm in comic books because of the original image like super I bought all of them. I, I remember buying image one Wildcats young blood Savage dragon I bought every extreme studios book out there so I love those books so much and have such an incredible respect right uh, I tweeted at Rob Liefeld he was like talking about some book and I was like I'm not in comics it was like the 30th anniversary of young blood or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like I wouldn't be in comics if you don't put that book out and he's like really man and like tweeted that back at me and it was like God reached down and was like Ryan well done it was amazing. So, like, I think what would be amazing is if we, if the book continues and, and, and it keeps growing and we're bringing stuff in, if, if we could ever get to a point where we had earned our stripes enough to be able to play with, like, the founders and, like, the founding fathers, and they would be cool and be like, yeah, let, let's play in our world together, that would be all the validation I would ever need. I don't even need 
Like that's that's you know I, that that's the goal. I think is to, is to is to have it all be sort of one world and we can all play together. Um, but you know I think we got a we got a long way to go before they before they decide to let us play at the be the cool kids team. Sure thing. Uh, I was reading the uh, sci-fi interview a bunch you just did, and uh, you mentioned you know the idea that there could be like a Viking rogue son or a pirate rogue son. It speaks to as an action figure lover. You know, is there any sort of uh, movement or has there been talk about you guys doing action figures at some point if this continues to catch on? Um, nothing official. Uh, guaranteed after a few beers. We, 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 we've drawn things on napkins and uh, and played with ideas. Uh, but I think that would be, like, that's the goal too. Like, I, as a, I think that's part of, that's part of the whole that was, I think, if, I, if you had said that like 20 years ago, you'd be like, you're crazy. But like the way things move now, it's like, who knows? And also there's so many cool creative people out there making stuff on Kickstarter with 3D printing and, and these, these small companies. So I don't think we're against any of it. I think if there was an opportunity to be able to do that in a way that we felt that there was a market for it and that people were excited about it, um, and that my mom would be able to get a figure, then, then then we would definitely do it. But like nothing official now, nothing that. But like I guarantee it up to a few IPAs. We've been like, dude, you should get an action figure and you can have the helmet that comes off and it's Marcus and it's Dylan. Oh my god, you know we've done that. So yeah, <laughs> They're the hot toys. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Interchangeable heads. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So uh, here's here's sort of a classic uh, comic shop chat question, kind of built around what you got going on. Who who wins in a fight? Dylan Siegel. Or Damian Wayne? Oh, shoot, man. Uh, probably Damian. Because <laughs> Damian would do something like, he has no scruples, so he'd just do it to beat you. And I think Dylan would, Dylan's not that great a fighter yet. He's learning, but he's not He's not trained. Uh, uh, but also, Damian doesn't have any superpowers, so I don't know. It'd be a draw. There you go. <laughs> the best it, answer. It'd be an, in classic superhero uh, crossover form, it would be a draw. Perfect. Or no, Damien would win the first round and then then Dylan would win the second round. There you go. There you go. <laughs> My the third round ends in a freeze frame, Rocky freestyle. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that we've sort of entered back into an era where we get crossovers between weird properties or properties that wouldn't have logically right. been crossed over before. And you wrote TMNT, MM... Uh, it's a lot MM of R's. PR, PR, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I was trying to get it right with just using the initials. How much fun was that? It's the it was it's the highlight of my career. Like it's the thing that I wanted to do the most in the whole world. Uh, I remember there was an email that was MMPRTMNTASAP, which was a sort of thing that was like <laughs> we need this right now. And I was like, way too many letters. Uh, but yeah, that was I. The quick short story of that was I was leaving. I was not leaving, but I was done with GoGo Power Rangers. It felt like it was going to run down. And I called. I was like, I really want to keep writing Power Rangers. So I called my editor to be like, hey, I really. Would love to. I had an idea. Like I've never seen a Power Ranger Ninja Turtle crossover, and I called and she's like, "Hey, I don't have any work for you right now. We're busy with the crossover." I was like, "Wait, what crossover?" She's like, "We're doing a crossover between Power Ranger Ninja Turtles." I was like, "That was what I was calling you about." And she's like, "I was like, do you have a writer?" She's like, "No, we haven't even actually started looking at." I'm like, "I'm the guy." And I was like, "Green Ranger Shredder. That's my pitch." On the phone, and she's like, "Okay." And then she's like, "Well, let me talk about it." And then I got the job like a week later. And so it was like, I can. There's so many opportunities I've missed out in life. That's the one time I feel like God was looking down on me and being like, hey man, this is what you were born for. You, were, you got all the action figures for 25 years. Let's see if you can do that on the page. And so like, it's the thing that I've had the most fun writing. Uh, they go together so well. Um, I think they, the character, I, 
I approach the whole thing of writing it as like, I think people just want to see these guys sit down at a table and talk about pizza. But like, so let's make the plot get there. And then we found all these really fun things about crossing over the, the powers and, and the swords and all that stuff. So like, I, I think people really liked it. Uh, I loved writing it and I desperately want to do more. Uh, but we'll see if that happens. It's a lot of moving parts of two very big companies and uh, stuff. But And, and the coup de gras was they made action figures out of it. And I was like, that's it, I'm done. That, that was another one of those like perfect opportunities for a lot of the uh, like the Goni Montez like oh. the helmet variants yes. and all that. I actually I they so I get a copy of all the covers. I yeah. sold out of all of them, and I can't get any more. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, uh, it, it's also you know these these publishers apparently uh, specifically Boom and IDW playing together very well. Right now, there's a Godzilla Power Rangers crossover going on yeah. between the two. You know, how do we get you know, for as much as you know, you know, how hard is it for them to work this stuff out? And, and are there lessons that other, perhaps stingier publishers can uh, take away from that? Um, I, to be really fair, I, they don't really include me in the conversations about how these things happen. I think it really just comes down to, um, like, passion for it. Like, that's like, it's like, you've got to go in, you've got to believe it. You've got to go to those companies and be like, "Look, we know there's a, there, we know there's an appetite for this. We know we're excited for it, and this is the way that we'll honor both what you, what you're doing." Because I think that's the thing. Everybody's a little afraid. It's like, our, who's everything's got to be equal, right? That's like yeah. that's my like they love like you know, I'll just use power for our Power Rangers like Saban when I think what Saban was was owned it at the time. Yeah. So Saban was like, we want to make sure that the Power Rangers are represented and that we, we love those characters. And Nickelodeon is the same way. It's like got to make sure that you love both of them equally and I feel like that's what happens you got to go in there knowing showing that's like I these are why these guys go together or why these characters go together and this is why we'll be able to express and and detail the history of both I feel like that's the goal so as long as that that would be the best advice I can say because I know other people do. Uh, as the Lord once said <laughs> that's really God references this for some reason I don't know why there are so many uh, I'm not even particularly religious but it just seems like it's happening yeah, yeah, but um, I feel like that's the goal. It's just like you have to find the person that wants to do it, and they have to come in with sort of respect for both properties, and that will hopefully get it across the finish line. Right on. Well, Ryan, uh, thank you very much for taking some time to talk with us, and hope you have a great rest of your show. Thank you, guys. It was awesome. Go first. Go first. So we found a nice, cozy little spot to record with uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Phil, how has your uh, con been this weekend? It's been good. Always good to see Philly. I love this town. And uh, yeah, I've been able to catch up with some friends at uh, the Big Two. and It's been great. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, I saw on uh, Twitter you had a little uh, gym crew going this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah Isaac, posted, Isaac Goodhart and Stephanie Phillips wanted to, to lift, so we lifted and Isaac posted some stuff. And yeah. Just uh, get in a workout for the gym, for the uh, for the show floor. So, uh, who in the Marvel bullpen are you preparing to fight in the octagon? <laughs> Anyone who wants some. <laughs> right on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Let's uh, let's uh, let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little Superman. So, uh, we, last time we talked, you were just about to start your run on both Alien and Action. Yeah. How are things? You know, shaping up. Man, just it's how's it feeling? It's been, you know, every bit as awesome as I hoped it would be. I, you know, the, I'm the biggest Alien fan around. I love those movies, and getting to contribute to that mythology has been amazing. Superman's one of my my first great heroes, and just having his voice in my head all the time is just incomparable. I can't believe I get to to write that character and 
Um, it's just such a huge honor and privilege, and I, I'd never take it for granted. So you run. You started out with. Man, pardon me. You'll probably have to correct me on the name. Daniel Semperi. 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 And but since you know he's off now working Dark Crisis, uh, you've had a few other artists. Um, Ricardo Federici, who has that style that worked the, the sweeping gladiator stuff, and Del Eaglesham on the most recent Midnighter issue, which has a sort of classic, he has a very classic sort of superhero-y style. Are you writing to the artist, or are they sort of getting the artists to fit the scripts you're putting out? I'm definitely writing to the artist. I um, So yeah, when they tell me who's going to be on a book, I'll, I mean, that will color every decision I put in the script. Like Daniel had a very clear vision for who Superman is. His He had this really awesome, iconic version of Superman that, I mean, every version of Superman... You can you can see those characters. You can see the Kurt Swan Superman in his version, or the the Frank Quietly version, or the Jim Lee version. It's, you know, it's just awesome. And um, you know, and he has also has a way of, of doing environments and everything that I'm always kind of keeping in mind. Uh, and then Miguel Mendonca came on for a couple of issues, and those were the big battle scenes. And that he draw the way he draws motion is very distinct, and that colored those issues as well. Ricardo is my partner from The Last God, and he draws the most crazy epic gigantic, creepy, sci-fi fantasy stuff ever. And I'm playing out that up hard. Now, he was chosen in part because of what we wanted to do in War World. Uh, we wanted to, to world build the same kind of way that we did in Last God. And uh, as far as his creature design and character design, there's just nobody better on the Earth. I mean, he's just the best there is. So I'm, I'm writing to him, but we also brought him on board because we knew what we wanted to do. How much was because you're, you're working with Superman and the Authority on War World. How much of what, how much of what Grant was doing in their Superman and the Authority uh, mini was made to work in concert with what you're doing in action? That's a good question. Grant and I were in touch about the stories that we each of us were telling, and I think both of us were careful not to step on each other's toes. Like we, I really wanted Grant to be able to tell the story they wanted. Um, I love their depiction of the characters and the authority, and um, I try to keep those keep those personalities intact as much as I could in my book. Um, there were a couple of ideas that they wanted to do um, plot-wise that I thought would um, would be kind of dissonant with what we had planned in War World Saga. I mean, they had to um, adjust fire a little bit um, for the end of their mini-series. And I also made some changes. Like if either of us were doing our story in a vacuum, I'm sure it would have come out a little differently. But mm-hmm. we worked together as best we could to both to both be able to give as close to our original vision as possible and still be part of the same story. This month marks the end of the first act of the War World Saga, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Without issue 1042. Yep. And there's. Do you have an end set in your even in your own head for the run, or are you just on there until? Well, I have an end set for the for the War World saga. I mean, at least the first. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So this month is the end of the first like, trade paperback, right? Yeah. And there's there's more to come. And I probably shouldn't say what month is going to end. But even then, like as Doctor Manhattan says, nothing really ends. And uh, <laughs> that the War World saga leads right into the next thing that we're doing, and it's going to continue. I, my uh, my template for how to handle this thing is kind of like the the, the Bendis New Avengers and how every big volume leads to the next, to the next, to the next. So you've got these things that are kind of separate. You've got New Avengers, like the team gets together, you've got Civil War, um, Dark Reign, um, Secret Invasion, all these different things that are all distinct on their own, 
but they also they are they are led to from the previous arc, and there's all this this big uh, all-consuming thing, and I, that's kind of have what I have planned for this too. So there are things happening on the Warworld saga right now that are going to continue to pay off for another probably year or two at least. Well, I mean, Alien exists sort of in its own pocket, obviously. You don't have mm -hmm. to sort of look at the Marvel Universe as a whole. Mm -hmm. Superman, on the other hand, is the one of the front the center trilogy, the trinity, <laughs> the, the great icons of the DC Universe. Mm -hmm. How are you working with that in mind, with all the things that Superman has to be doing elsewhere? I mean, you've sort of pocketed him off in Warworld, but there's things like Death of the Justice League and Dark Crisis that are happening too that you have to clearly sort of take into account or maybe not. Yeah. Well, there there are some things you have to consider. Um, so, I, I mean, Josh Williamson is handling the, the heavy lifting on Dark Crisis, so Josh and I speak very often. And uh, we've both been aware of each other's stories for a very long time. I know what Josh is planning. He knows what I'm planning, and we're making it so that it all can coexist. And there might seem, like, there'll be a month or two where you read the events of both books, like, how is this possible? And eventually it'll make sense, like, how that all is. This is it was the same way when Superman and the Authority came out. Because, I mean, in Superman and the Authority, Superman had a different costume. He looked older. His powers seemed lesser. Um, there were a lot of things that, on its face, didn't make sense. And not, it wasn't until issue 1036 when we revealed what was really happening and how those stories make sense together. Um, and, and, you know, that was a payoff from the, my very first monthly Superman issue. You know, so we, we've been planning that the whole time. But... I understand the readers at the time were confused, like, no, this makes sense, it sucks. So it's, yeah, there's, there are gonna be, there are gonna be little tricks that we, that we bring out um, so that Josh's, so we're not limiting Josh's vision for Dark Crisis, and I can still do what I've been planning for Warble Saga for so long. Uh, and then in, in the meantime, you're, you're still writing Alien at Marvel with uh, Salvador La Roca. Uh, you've got the annual coming out in June that is being billed as sort of the capstone of this uh, first era of the book uh, you know what what can you say about what that means going forward for for alien and your involvement in it the annual that's coming out this, this summer is um yeah it's kind of the the end like the season finale kind of if that, okay. may, if that mm -hmm. makes sense so we had yeah. the first arc in uh alien bloodlines with the, the followed gabriel cruz and then with the second arc alien revival follows jane callan um very different kind of story, but very much in the same universe. And then the annual, we see Gabriel Cruz again, and it kind of ties in, it ties the movie franchise to, it loosely ties it to the um, Alien Fireteam Elite game, mm. um, which is kind of fun. Um, we're gonna see some of the combat synths that we saw in, in that game and make it feel a little more cohesive, you know? That's part of my like mission statement for the Alien series, to make it feel like the movies, to make to really help tie together the Alien canon. Because there are books um, in the Dark Horse runs that were very cool, but that you know we can't really can't really treat as canon anymore. Because like the way that for in a way because of the, how they treated the space jockeys and how that's all been kind of disproven by the Prometheus films, um, there are things that are no longer valid, and I don't want that to happen with us. So we're trying to tie it all together. That's what the the annual is for: is to kind of serve as the season finale for this first run that we've done with Salvador La Roca. And there's going to be another you know quote unquote season starting up very soon. And uh, it's there's a little bit of a pivot, but it all it's still all in the same world. It's all still canon, but there's going to be a new kind of focus for season two. Very cool. Um, and it, it's you've been playing the uh, the aliens game too, right? I have. 
Yeah, I'm not good enough at it yet. I uh, <laughs> lately I'm not. I haven't. Been, I haven't had not had much time to game, and what little time I have had, I'll spend on Elden Ring. <laughs> like, I, okay, uh, yeah, that game is pretty badass. But but Fire Team Elite is is awesome, and I, I love the lore that we see in it. That's honestly probably my biggest attraction to it. I really like the uh, the lore stuff that we see throughout that game. Right on. Now, uh, you know, I, I I don't know what you'll be able to to speak to this if at all, but you know. I know that things with the the predator side of the equation got held up a little bit. Um, you know, is there is there a kind of a, a an AVP, AVP pitch kind of somewhere on a Google Drive that you check in every on every once in a while just to say like, you okay? How, how you holding up there, buddy? All right. I I probably shouldn't talk about it. I um, fair fair. I don't even know as much as you might expect. Um, I know what I need to know for my alien stuff. Um, sure. As far as the predator thing, I think there's been some stuff publicized already about like reasons why it's been held up, but yeah. Um, yeah, I can't get into it, sadly. No worries. So, between action and Alien and mm -hmm. all this, you, you're, you're a busy guy. I am. But you, you, I mean, you've done your creator-owned work, too. Are you still able to, you know, get in some of that? Or are you just sort of like, okay, I'll, I'll get there when I can, because right now I've got this whole thing to deal with? Um, it's kind of both. I'm picking away at a creator-owned thing I want to do with a good friend of mine. There's also another licensed book that I'm doing that I can't announce yet. It hasn't been announced, but it's going to be super rad. And I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, there's, there's another big, um, you know, pre-existing IP book that I'm taking over here soon. It's, I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be super, super cool. But yeah, on top of that, I'm, I do have some creator-owned stuff that I want to get done. Just winding down, you, you had two panels at the con. I did. How, how'd, they, how'd that go? It was good. So first I, I sat with the Army eSports team and just talked about our opportunities in the Army. They mm. sponsored the, the gaming uh, area on the floor and uh, talked with the founder of the Army eSports team and um, one of our public affairs officers about, you know, how, how I came to the Army as a musician in Washington, D.C. and um, how that served me and um, how I came to write comic books. and. Yeah, just my, my crazy path to two careers. We talked about that some, and the eSports guys talked about their gig, and it was good. My other one just now was about uh, the craft of writing comics and TV. That was also super rewarding. That was with Amy Chu and Ryan Parrott. That was really fun. Talked to some aspiring writers and had a great time. Right on. And I saw uh, Army Field Band just won a Grammy too, correct? We did, yeah. Right on. Yeah, That's thanks. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, all the heavy lifting went to the um, the producer and the um, the audio engineer for Best Immersive Album. But yeah, the, the album sounded amazing, and uh, Army Field Band super proud of it. And yeah, ready to do the next one. Very very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll we'll leave you be, uh, Philip. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes. Yeah, and, man, it's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Safe trip home. Yeah, you as well. Go birds! Go birds! That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. Uh, P.S. Matt and Will, sorry I made you read White Knight again. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, 
Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider-Woman series, Kat Purcell from ComicsXF, Liz Large from ComicsXF, Will Nevin from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, the Forceworks character Sentry was apparently part of Combo Man. WMQA. 